The time is not even sure. Volume 4, Episode 59. This is Employment Law Now. Uh, I am Mike Schmidt. I have really no idea what day it is, what time it is. The days are blending together. Sunday feels like a Wednesday, which feels like a Friday. I hope all of you uh, remaining safe and healthy and, and okay, uh, dealing with so much that everyone is dealing with these days. Um, trying to not... Uh, over-inundate everybody with information and emails and podcast episodes. On the other hand, um, I keep hearing from people that uh, it has been helpful to get uh, this information, however rapidly changing it may be. So um, for those of you who this is uh, helping, I'm happy to be here even on the weekends to uh, try to give some more information. Uh, the past week, certainly, I have released a few new podcast episodes on coronavirus issues generally, as well as on specifically the federal legislation that was passed and signed into law so quickly last week. Uh, as we continue to say, though, even here with coronavirus issues, so much is happening on the state and local levels. As usual, that means California is uh, always going to be considered a big player and always in the spotlight in all of this. So for those of you with operations or employees in California, I wanted to devote this special episode to California's response to the coronavirus outbreak. Joining me for this discussion today is Michelle Miller, who is the chair of the West Coast Labor and Employment Department here at Cozen. Uh, she's a frequent speaker and has spent more than 30 years representing businesses and employment litigation uh, and also acting as a trusted advisor on California and national employment law issues. So I am very pleased to have Michelle here to talk California with us. Michelle, thanks so much uh, for joining us uh, early on a Sunday morning. Thank you, Mike. So just this past week, let's get right into it, uh, Governor Newsom out in California issued a stay-at-home order for all businesses except essential businesses or critical infrastructure sectors. Uh, what is the essence of the California executive order and how is California defining essential businesses? Well, it's a, uh, the order is a stay-at-home unless you need to leave your, your home or your place of residence in order to, to work as necessary in a facility or uh, a workplace that is necessary to maintain the continuity of operations in what is called critical infrastructure sectors. And those are, have been defined as those sectors that are listed in a, as a, as a Department of Homeland Security uh, memo as to what those 16 sectors are and it's not only those sectors but also businesses that are necessary to help 
employers in those sectors maintain their operations. So that's as best as the, the definition is. There is really nothing further, and I know that this is also, um, I believe Illinois' uh, new stay-at-home also refers to this, um, the, it's called the Cyber and Infrastructure Security Agency. It's the Home Department of Homeland Security. Um, that defines 16 critical sectors. So that's as best as we know. Yeah, hopefully we'll get some further guidance. Right, just to back up just a second, because everybody is really focused on the Governor Newsom's uh, declaration. But in California, we had been dealing with other similar stay-at-home orders that had been rolling through the state since um, March 16th, which was Monday, and that was a first um, uh, order that came out that uh, applied in the Bay Area, San Francisco, and was quickly adopted by six of the nine Bay Area counties, which over the course of the week, the other three also joined that order. And there are, the city of Fresno has an order, San Diego has an order, uh, Mayor Garcetti in Los Angeles also issued a safer at home order in, um, I believe, on last Thursday. And so we have a a number of different counties in California that have their own orders. And for those of you that have facilities in California, this will really come as no surprise to you that each individual county is doing essentially their own thing, plus we have an overriding state policy. So the question is, which one do you follow? And... uh, We've been advising clients to look at both. Are there going to be differences? Are there going to be differences in terms of, for example, how they're defining essential businesses or critical infrastructure? Uh, They, like, for example, the the San Francisco, the Bay Area one, um, states specifically what it considers an essential business. And if you look at that, you look at them, they're pretty close to what the... um, what the state order is, but there are a little bit of new, you know, little nuanced differences in all of them. So, you know, if you have operations in the state, look at both. That's all, that's as best as we can say right now. Uh, absolutely. These things are, uh, are changing constantly. Uh, I mean, hopefully some of these government uh, agencies uh, will be issuing some guidance in the coming days, but, but like all of us, they too are trying to react and get as much information out there as they can, uh, as quickly as they can. Right. Um, and there's also, there's also different, um, like the, the California overriding stay-at-home order is it's stated specifically it's going to remain in effect until further notice, whereas the local ordinance tended to have end dates that could be considered depending upon developments with the virus. So yeah, it's, it's a little confusing. Of course, of course, and that uh, that's not all that surprising. Should businesses, when when figuring out then how to comply or whether they're essential, not essential, should they be self determining as to whether they believe they are essential, either under the statewide order or these county orders, um, or is there a way for them to apply for some exemption in California, like you have in other states? Um, I think a. a um I think what's going on right now is employers are self-determining whether they're an essential business. And 
you know, they're broad enough um, that I think most employers can can easily figure out whether they're part of the critical infrastructure business or sector that's that's stated in the the statewide order. Um, if they are unclear, they can certainly ask for clarification. But I don't think that in the next week or two we're going to get very quick responses just because of how overwhelmed the state government is. Um, and although there's, um, you know, although there's some penalties that that might flow, I don't, I haven't heard yet of, you know, any patrols or police or certainly we don't have the National Guard out in California yet. Hmm. Um, Not yet. So I think right now it's, it, the people are leaving it up to a self-determination. That makes sense. Um, so we've heard a lot this past week, certainly about the new federal legislation addressing paid sick leave and amendments to the FMLA. What is California doing specifically in the area of sick leave and family leave um, for coronavirus-related issues? Uh, we don't have, so far there have not been any um, changes to our current our current laws in terms of um, our California Family Rights Act or paid sick leave laws, but each of the agencies that are responsible for enforcing those laws um, have been very helpful in posting FAQs on their websites. So, you know, for example, if looking at, you know, for paid sick leave, the Department of Industrial Relations, you know, they have FAQs for employers to try to work their way through it, and one of them is you know, the first one is, can an employee use California paid sick leave due to COVID-19 illness? And the answer is yes. And they have paid sick leave and they have underneath it a, a, an explanation. But, but to date, I don't, we, we haven't seen any uh, real changes in the law. The only two changes really come down to the WARN Act and the governor's waiving of the one week of um, unpay under unemployment insurance. Great, and, and who knows if that will change in the next uh, day or next few days, in which case we'll have to update this uh, this podcast in that regard. I think that might be the case. So I'll get to uh, then uh, the WARN Act in a second, um, but also I know um, a lot of people have OSHA on their minds. Um, we know uh, California, uh, I believe, has its own version of an OSHA Act. Is, is California's version of OSHA providing any different guidance or rules than what's really been seen on the federal OSHA level? Uh, not really. Again, it's you know it's trying its best to provide guidance within guidance that already exists. Um, so you know it's not. It has it has a on the website. There is also a uh, what they call interim guidelines for employers dealing with COVID nineteen and. What they're doing there is they're just re referencing other standards that exist, but there hasn't been a, you know, a new body of regulations directed at COVID nineteen situations yet. Right, uh, big emphasis on yet. Yeah, and it's it's yeah, interesting. Right. You know, it's interesting because people view uh, all of you folks out in California as, as tending to be the leaders in uh, either new legislation, quick legislation, or um, you know, significantly different legislation than what we see around the country. And it sounds like, and we'll get to warn in a second. It sounds like for the most part, California, uh, as you said, is not enacting new amendments, new rules, but simply uh, providing guidance on how the old rules may apply to the current situation. 
No, I think that's true. But I, in terms of leading the way, I think that the, you know, the Bay Area shelter in place and then the governor's uh, overall statement on Thursday uh, evening, that I think that was that other, other states followed suit there. We also, we have very, probably more expansive paid sick leave, other types of leave that um, are flexible enough to be able to be used in this situation so that the agencies are responding by just providing guidance on their websites of how that would be adapted, those leave laws would be adapted to this situation. That's, that's a great point, and, and I will definitely reserve my right to uh, ask you to come back on in a future episode when we can talk about California's sort of paid sick leave and family leave uh, in a more general context. Well, I, I, you could probably, we could probably do this again on Tuesday, the way things are rapidly changing. <laughs> that's, you know? that's true. We'll have a daily open line uh, with California. That's, that sounds right. great. I'll, I'll just say, as of Sunday morning, this is where things are. You know? By Tuesday, it might be very different. Yeah, it's funny you said that. I, I said that um, uh, earlier last week in a, in a podcast episode. I said, normally I don't uh, date and timestamp the episodes to try to you know keep them applicable no matter when you're listening to them, but I have been, given the changes, federal level and otherwise, I have been date and timestamping when we're recording these. So, uh, in fairness, we are on uh, Sunday, March 22nd, 2020, uh, at a little bit before noon on the East Coast and a little bit before 9 a.m. on the West Coast. So things could be changing as the hours and days continue to creep along. Um, so in that regard, this week, we because California does have some very unique state laws as well as local laws, at the beginning of the week, we started to do a series of FAQs for California workplaces. I've never had a document that went through so many revisions in one week. <laughs> and so amazing. I believe it is posted on our website now as to current as of Friday, but every time we said, okay, it's final, like, nope, Cali you know, California just did this. Nope, this, these were just issued by, um, by the city of Fresno. We had to keep revising. So right now it's current, it's on the website, and we'll keep it current as we, as we go forward. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been an incredible challenge for companies and certainly those advising companies on how to act. Uh, a lot of employees are being impacted, affected in in a myriad of ways uh, through all of this, and it's just such a challenge for employers to figure out how they're supposed to act and they want to do the right thing uh, um, to protect employees, certainly protect their businesses, and it, it becomes a challenge with all of these things changing as rapidly as they are. That's true. That is definitely true. So I want to touch on two uh, uh, quick things, again, going back to the coronavirus-related um, initiatives that you mentioned a moment ago. First, um, in terms of WARN, we've obviously been hearing a lot about the rules to follow when laying off employees or shutting down businesses in terms of federal and state WARN acts. Uh, California does have a significantly different WARN scheme, um, but there's also been a development in terms of whether California's WARN Act is going to apply at all uh, in the near future. So what's going on with this issue out there? Well, that, that's, uh, that's a really good point. And that was the, you know, as the week went on, um, it became very apparent as companies were closing and doing, engaging in mass layoffs, that we do have a California One Act. And if, if you 
a exemption to notice for unforeseen business circumstances. So this is clearly an unforeseen business circumstance, but we don't have that exemption. And though there is a natural disaster exception, but it is very, it is limited to um, when a layoff, relocation, or termination is caused by a physical calamity or act of war. And a physical calamity being California, you immediately think earthquake, fires, and floods. But is a virus a physical calamity? So as employers were beginning, were looking at that and saying, well, now we, you know, you can't tell your client, give people, you know, the requisite notice when suddenly you have to close your business. Fortunately, the state did step in and they, um, and the governor suspend the certain WARN Act requirements for California employers, the 60-day notice. But it does have um, a requirement of providing notice as absolutely helpful. And, it, and there's also the agency that generally deals with, you know, the regular Cal One, um, the Labor Workforce and Development Agency. The governor stated that they will to issue compliance and instructions and implementation details by tomorrow, by March 23rd. So we'll see. So we might have further guidance on as to what type of notice is required um, on Monday. Yeah, and and this is uh, this has been where the uh, you know the, the tragic aspect of this is. Uh, people spent a, a good portion of last week trying to wrap their uh, hands around the new legislation on FMLA and paid sick leave, paid family leave. But as uh, the days turn into weeks. Uh, unfortunately, companies are starting to deal with this impact through furloughs and layoffs and, and shutting down operations. So I think these WARN Act issues on the federal level and on the state level uh, are really going to be coming a lot more into play in the next uh, few days. That, that is true. That is definitely true. You also mentioned, and this is part of that, um, the unemployment insurance scheme. Uh, is there any statewide change uh, out in California to the unemployment insurance scheme that employers should be aware of? Um, well, there's there's a number of, um, you know, we talk about the unemployment. There's a number of different options also that are available to employers. I mean, sorry, excuse me, employees. Um, in addition to unemployment, and then unemployment. Um, I believe that the governor also waived the one, we said one week when you apply, there was one week of no pay and then unemployment would kick in and that's been waived. But employees have other, other potential options in California. We have, um, we have state plans, we have a paid, paid family leave and a disability leave that are um, short 
long-term benefits up to six weeks to eligible workers that could also be explored in addition to unemployment and then you know unemployment also allows the you know there's you can um, supplement unemployment most people think of unemployment as a total cessation of your of working and that's not necessarily the case if you reduce hours there's a way to have a partial unemployment to make up for those reduced hours so there's a lot of options to for employers to look at and for employees to consider Sure, and, and employees or businesses certainly should uh, be checking the websites of the various um, uh, agencies to look into these options a little further and certainly should feel free to reach out to outside counsel to talk about what options may fit their businesses uh, the best. Correct. And again, even the EDD dealing with insurance and those types of benefits, there's a entire list of FAQs for employers um, to look at and consider. So, Michelle, this is um, this continues to be really uh, helpful to all of us. I can't tell you how much I appreciate this, particularly given how much earlier it is out in California right now. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not um, tell everybody that the rest of the employment law world also is not stopping here as much as it seems like we're dealing with these coronavirus issues 24-7. There are other legal issues uh, that continue uh, to play out, and I know you are doing a webinar this coming week on a non-coronavirus issue um, relating to employee mobility. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. We, you know, it, you, know you just you have to carry on. And we do a webinar once a month on you know, various employment law topics, looking at the, the California focus as well as how others, you know, to the extent necessary, how other states are dealing with it, as well as the interplay of federal law. So we are doing a webinar on Tuesday on employee mobility issues. And if you're not uh, on Michelle's, if you're not on Michelle's uh, mailing list, you've got to get on them because her webinars are terrific. They're topical. They're quick to the point. Um, if you're not on them, you can go to uh, our website, cozen.com, uh, and register for free for any of these webinars that are coming up. We will continue also to be dealing with uh, the coronavirus issues uh, and our weekly Friday uh, webinars as we have the past two Fridays. So, Michelle, while I have you here, and I don't want to keep you much longer, but I do want to take advantage of the fact that you are here and talking about California. Uh, though these issues have clearly now been overshadowed by all things coronavirus-related, I just want to get your thoughts for our avid listeners on where things currently stand in California with two other big issues, uh, the independent contractor legislation as well as the arbitration ban issue. Okay, so the AB5, which is the very, very controversial um, bill that the legislature passed last year, went into effect January 1, various groups have attempted to either get uh, temporary restraining orders or preliminary injunctions. It, it's a multifaceted um, attempt to uh, rewrite this law or at least modify the law. Right now, the the group that has, has gotten a preliminary injunction is the uh, trucking industry. Uh, and that's based on a, a law that is a, is a federal preemption that is stated in various federal laws that govern the trucking industry. So right now as to 
companies that fall within the definition of trucking, you know, the trucking industry would be, there's an injunction as to AB5. Other organizations have not been quite so lucky at getting injunctions, so AB5 is still in effect. There have been multiple, multiple bills introduced in the legislature to modify AB5, well, from everything, to strengthen AB5, modify it, exempt certain groups, and also get 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 give a, dismiss it completely. So there's a range of competing um, interests. There was also a uh, measure that hopefully will be on the ballot related to the gig economy. California does run by proposals, and if it's on the November, um, I hope to get a proposal on the November ballot. Um, and the interesting, the interesting thing about about this is the argument for the gig economy is right now everybody who is sheltering at home is really relying upon those very. Um, those very uh, those, those individuals, those workers who are de- delivering the food or getting people to hospital appointments. I mean, they are they become very critical, and you know. So the argument I can see the argument is going to be well, we really need them, and if that is the group that really wants these flexible hours, we need to have, figure out how to make that work. And the other half of the argument, which has always been, is we have these individuals who, because of the nature of their work, don't have the benefits that um, that would you, you would normally get as an employee, and here clearly such as healthcare, and that we need to make them employees so that they have those benefits. So, you know, the shelter in place is, you know, once we're, once we're, once we move beyond this, I think we'll we'll see more of those types of fights because it'll be a very realistic situation. People have been dealing with those workers um, at least for the past week and at least for the foreseeable future. Part of the problem, I think, Part of the problem, I think, in, on that issue is that even many within the gig economy um, differ in terms of what they want. If you ask, there's, there's certainly a faction of the uh, gig economy uh, that likes uh, and wants to be considered sort of independent and as independent contractors while there's obviously, uh, you know, a larger faction uh, that's fighting for uh, the rights and the benefits that uh, employees classified as such uh, are getting. That's correct. So that, I, you know, those, right now nobody's focused on it, but that was up until, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that <laughs> yeah. was a, a major, a, a major source of um, news in California. Yeah, we could say a lot about at this point, you know, what life was like two and three weeks ago, and hopefully two and three weeks from now, we'll be able to go back to a lot of those fights that we were having. And so just lastly, on the arbitration front, uh, where were we? Anything going on? I suspect this is also something that's being pushed aside at the moment. Well, this, this was, there was a lawsuit that was filed by a co- in mid-December, the beginning of December. It was really a coalition of business interests to try to, um, you know, to overturn the ban on mandatory arbitration, um, yeah, the ban on mandatory arbitration. On December 30th, the court um, granted a temporary restraining order, meaning that it would, that law would not go in effect as of January 1, which is when it was. Um, scheduled to go in effect, and there was a 
hearing on the injunction uh, later that month, and the court issued a preliminary injunction on February 7th. So right now, AB 50, I believe it's 51, is not in effect. It's been enjoined pending the resolution of the underlying lawsuit that was filed in December. With a bit of good news for employers. Great. So we'll uh, we'll continue to watch uh, that issue as well, and hopefully, as I said, we'll get back to being able to uh, follow and debate uh, these other non-coronavirus-related issues very soon. Hopefully. All right. <laughs> Michelle Miller, Chair of West Coast Labor and Employment here at Cozen O'Connor, really appreciate you getting up early out there to uh, talk to all of us, and uh, I will most likely be reaching back out to get you on a future episode as well. Great. Thank you, Mike. And everybody, stay home and stay safe. Thanks, Michelle. That was really informative. I hope you all found it to be as well. As I've continued to say, Cozen O'Connor has a coronavirus task force. Go uh, onto our webpage, cozen.com, and click on the banner where it says uh, Coronavirus Task Force, and you can get all kinds of access to materials, frequently asked questions, alerts that we have been sending out, as well as links to all kinds of guidance and uh, government resources as well. Uh, As you just heard, we have uh, an upcoming webinar, certainly a few that we will be promoting uh, on the coronavirus issues as developments change, but also on a variety of other types of issues and developments not related to the coronavirus. Michelle, out in California, will be presenting uh, her webinar this coming Tuesday, March 24th, on employee mobility and trade secrets, for good or for bad. Uh, The rest of HR and, and the employment law world really uh, continues to develop and continues to still need to be accounted for uh, by businesses. You will also likely be hearing more of me and from me this week as well on these podcasts. So until the next time, thank you as always very much for listening. Keep the feedback coming, and I hope all of your labor is productive.